up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have guest Eric Ross, who's a PhD in cultural studies. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. Dude, there's a lot I want to get into, and I think the the best place to start is in the beginning, right? So what makes you want to study and teach cultural studies? And then for the folks that don't know, what is that? Uh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so I, I, I've wanted to be a teacher for pretty much as long as I can remember, going back to uh, middle school, probably. I mean, probably fifth or sixth grade, so probably right around the time I met John. Uh, I've, that's been a goal of mine. And, um, yeah. And, and so I think like the, the, what kind of audience or what students I wanted to teach has shifted over the years, but that was always a goal of mine. And I went to college, uh, with the goal of, uh, I, I wanted to, I wanted to teach middle school, um, believe it or not, I wanted to teach middle school. And so I went to college for that. I studied to do that. I, I got my minor in education. I got my teaching license. I did my student teaching. And through my student teaching, I realized that, uh, you know, maybe middle school wasn't necessarily where I wanted to be at. Um, no, so I dude. Thought... Middle school kids are the worst. <laughs> I was an asshole straight up. I mean, they are the worst, but in some ways, they're also the best. Like, there's a sort of pure honesty there with middle school kids that, like... Yeah is, is, can sometimes be great, but, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really for me, I think. Um, and so I applied to graduate school and I did not get into graduate school. And so I was looking for fallback opportunities. Um, I got a job with AmeriCorps, um, right out of college. And I did that for two years, um, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What, what is, uh, what is AmeriCorps? Uh, so AmeriCorps is like a service organization. Um, they, there's a lot of different programs within AmeriCorps, but basically it's like paying young people. Um, you don't get paid very much money, but it, if you complete it, you get like a, you get an award that you can use to pay off like your student loans or college tuition or things like that. Um, not a lot. Um, but you know, it, it did definitely took a chunk out of my student loans, but uh, it's a service uh, service organization um, through the federal government. Um, but what I did was I worked for an organization called City Year, and they were placing young people in schools, uh, usually in urban areas. And um, what they were doing, or what I was doing at the time, was like you were given... I worked with eighth graders for that year, and they I was basically like an intensive like reading and math tutor for those kids. So... Um, not the high achieving kids and not the kids who were like failing the classes, but the kids who were in danger of failing. I had a group of them that I would kind of pull out and, and tutor. And then we also did after school stuff with them. Uh, okay. So well. just the kids right on the cusp, you're accelerating. I'm getting them the tools and stuff ready to enter high school. Yes. Yeah. I mean, exactly. So the idea was like getting them up, getting them up before they fall into that kind of failing range. So trying to get them to a place where they can be successful and then hopefully have some good habits going into high school. So that was what I did there. Um, and, and I really thought that that or like that sort of like education nonprofit world was going to be where I lived for the rest of my life. Um, and then kind of out of nowhere, I had a former college professor who emailed me about 
an opportunity, another graduate school opportunity. Um, this time it was in Florida. Um, and I, like I said, I was pretty much sold on this, this like middle school nonprofit stuff was going to be, this was going to be my life, but out of deference to her, because she was a real big mentor and influence for me, I decided to, you know, shoot my shot. And, um, I got into this master's program in American studies. So different from cultural studies, but American studies at the university of South Florida. Um, and I had, most of that was paid for. And so I was like, when is this ever going to happen to me again? So, yeah, dude, you uh, gotta take that. so, South so moved Florida, to Florida. Mm-hmm. the bulls, you know, I think that's, that's yeah, the, they, that's the, 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 is, the yeah. South Florida bulls, right? School of Blake Bortles, son, you know, sunshine. Well, well, Blake Bortles of- is a central Florida. Oh shit! Portal is a Central My Florida graduate. God, dude, so I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. That's okay. You're just bringing up the war on I four. Um, <laughs> one of the great rivalries in college sports. Absolutely, but no, yeah. You go down <laughs> to Florida. You know, who knows? Maybe you wrestle an alligator. Maybe you know. I don't know. You, you get what two years of just enjoying the sunshine. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm hijacking your story and making up stuff. But no, um, you're fine. I mean, that's all accurate, um, including the wrestling and alligator. Um, I knew it. That you know, all that stuff is great. Um, yeah, I was down there for two years. I got a master's. Um, I stayed a third year where I was working as an adjunct professor, which is you know, uh, a professor who basically gets paid by the semester or per the class. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, at that point I was like, this is maybe something I want to keep doing. And I applied to a couple of different PhD programs and, uh, the cultural studies program at George Mason, what seemed like a good fit for me. Um, and I decided to take a chance. And now at this point I don't have really any other skills. So this is, I'm kind of locked in now. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, yeah, you asked what cultural studies is. So cultural studies is an interdisciplinary humanities field. Um, I like I come from an English like lit background. I know other people mm-hmm. who come from sociology backgrounds or political science or whatever. Um, but it is it is an interdisciplinary uh, humanities field. Um, usually, is very critical of systems and organizations it comes from a kind of it comes from the united kingdom it comes from this like leftist tradition in britain um, leftist academic tradition with Stuart hall and raymond williams and guys like that who you know your listeners can look up on their own if they want to learn more about them but um yeah i think that kind of i don't know if that answers your question but that's sort of in a nutshell kind of the discipline it it does i do want to dig into a little bit about i guess what are some of the main ideas of the characters that you just mentioned? Right. So, um, this is these, like the two guys I mentioned specifically, Raymond Williams and Stuart Hall. Um, they're both British. Uh, they operate in the United Kingdom. They both since passed, but, um, the discipline really emerges in response to like Margaret Thatcher and the conservative party in the UK and, (laughs) There, a lot of their policies are about, um, you know, what today we would call neoliberalism. So, like hyper individualism, um, competition, like slashing the social safety net, all these things that Margaret Thatcher was doing um, in the UK at that time. Um, and these guys came from a leftist tradition. Um, I don't think 
they are like, you know, these guys are, are certainly socialists, um, and thinking about like what happened, uh, the United Kingdom, you know, for a long time had, uh, a strong social safety net. It had strong labor rights and whatever. Margaret Thatcher comes along and starts to chip away at all of that. And seemingly, uh, some of these policies that are happening, um, you know, it's not like they weren't contested, but uh, at the same time, like these these things that people thought were sort of stuck in place, or this was how it was always going to be, or we had won these labor rights or whatever, and we're just going to keep them now, um, are suddenly being chipped away at, and people aren't sure how that was happening. And so cultural studies emerges as a way of thinking about that, um, imagining like the old forms of the left or socialism or whatever you want to call it, um, don't seem to be working anymore. So how can we kind of adapt moving forward if that makes any sense? Actually, that makes, it makes quite a bit of sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming what Thatcher, this is in the eighties, right? It's in the eighties. Yeah, so, so like late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. We got, we got Reaganomics in the United States. We've got, we're, we're running, we're running. Wait, that's Reagan would have been, sorry, I got John, John, where, where, where am I messing up? Where am I messing uh, up? No, right. Yeah. No, I, I was uh, rolling my eyes just at the thought of Ronald Reagan being president, uh, which no. I was not alive for, but <laughs> scarred me enough. Uh, no, he was, he was, I think he was elected in 1980 ish, 80, yeah, 81, two. Like that. Oh, well. But yeah, so, so this is, we've got, we, we've got this, this, uh, we got a bunch of, you know, the conservatives run on the show and, and in London they're slashing these, these social programs and these people are kind of pushing back and they're creating theories and they're teaching. Right. And, 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 um, that's how this was born. If I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment. And so what are you like? Okay, go ahead, John. Uh, Reagan was, uh, he was president uh, from 81 to 89. Damn. So right in there. Just the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Reagan smash. That's I mean, every time someone says Ronald Reagan, like uh, that family guy skit where he's just trying to smash down the Berlin Wall always pops into my head. <laughs> Reagan sleepy. Every time. I can't. I, I can't. That. that is so good. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I know I totally um, I I. Yeah. Yes. Trickle down economics. That's another thing <laughs> that comes to mind. But uh, that, no, I am. Um, I'm. I'm with you there. And and so, what are you? I mean, you're you're going to have to come up with your your thesis. I, you're 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 this just about there. You're a professor in my eyes. You're much much more educated than I am. So what what types of things are you you looking at within the cultural studies realm um, on your thesis? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm working on my dissertation right now, actually, um, and I'm writing about. I'm interested in museums, um, and in particular, what I see as a kind of trend that's happened in museums in the 21st century, and you know, the last 20 years or so, is um, what I'm calling activist museums. So I feel like museums have moved. I don't feel like I know that museums have moved from a uh, you know, being a place where they are just presenting these objects and they're trying to be very neutral about it. To now you see more and more newer museums and newer exhibitions have a, have a viewpoint or are upfront about the fact that they're not neutral, um, mm -hmm. that they want to have some sort of outcome that comes as a result of this. Um, 
and 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 we can see this in, in like sort of both it's sort of both sides right like there are museums that are would be considered like progressive museums that want to see like certain social justice things happen and we can also see like more traditionally conservative museums so here in dc there's a giant new um, museum of the bible um that opened up a few years ago um mm. i want to say in 2017 maybe i think I, I was here when it opened so it's not that old um but that is like a very explicit like evangelical museum uh that has a, a particular agenda and, and in in their case it's like reminding america or about the importance of the bible in american history and asserting that like the bible is still important in the present um which i think would be very different from say a museum like the national museum of african-american history and culture also here in dc which you know, it would be kind of a more progressive version of that. So I'm interested in that, that shift or, or what I see as a shift that museums are doing. They have, they've moved from being like object forward, object driven to more idea driven to more idea focused. Um, do you think, do you yeah, think that this is a good, do you think that this is a good thing? Um, I, you know, I don't know yet to be honest with you. I just, I see it happening and um, you know, certainly if there are like, you know, I, you know, I'm not biased or I am, you know, I have my own biases and my own, uh, ways of seeing the world. And so when I see things that echo my viewpoints, certainly I'm more inclined to think of that as a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I hesitate to come down one way or another. I just see it as something that's happening. And one of the things I'm interested in is like, is looking at, you know, what has what has changed that's made this happen um why why are museums doing this why like new museums really especially um yeah i i, I don't know i i hesitate to say whether it's good whether it's good or bad i mean I'm, i don't know i mean i have a i have my own personal beef with museums and uh it is that like why do we have so many like masterpieces? Like when I went to the Louvre, there's so much awesome shit that you just kind of become overwhelmed. Like why do they all, why do all these mass, like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm only speaking in the realm of art. Right. And, and, but why do we think that it's important to put all these mass ma masterpieces in one consolidated area? Shouldn't they be, in like a town, the artist that made them did not, I don't think that, I mean, obviously there's some element of competition wanting to stay relevant and, and wanting to, you're, if you're a high creative, always wanting to produce. If you ask an artist, like, why do you create? It's like, why? Because I'm an artist. Why do you breathe, bro? Because you're alive. This is what <laughs> I do. And I feel like they wanted some of their pieces. And again, I'm, I could be complete. This is just my own personal beef. Like, I think that they would want their masterpieces, like, kind of viewed by themselves and for you to really have an opportunity to take it all in. And yet, we just shove it all into one place and you're like, all right, take a look at all this. I mean, I just don't know if that's super conducive. I, I think it's, you know, plus a lot of the museums and, um, Western culture or just like shit that we've all stole. Like I love going to France <laughs> and looking at it. And, and all I can think about is like Napoleon's great terror of stealing the abolis from the Egyptians. And I mean, it's, it's, it's nutty, but I'm, mean, they're cool. I'm just saying, you know, I, I got to throw that out there as well. So I don't know. That's my beef. That's my main beef with museums. I do think they're amazing. I wouldn't want to get rid of them, but 
I, I think that maybe we're doing it wrong. Um, and I don't, I guess I'm, you know, fuck it. I'll say, I think it's bad. I think it's bad that we're, we're going to try and put, uh, ideologies and uh, like a, I don't know, maybe not opinions, but like, I don't, I don't like that, that. Like you can go to a conservative museum over here and you can go to a liberal one. And there's an anarchist one. If you go down Debo street and take it, I don't know if I like that. I mean, I feel like, I feel like a, a combination of it all should be presented. If we're going to, we're going to do that instead of like self segregating. I don't know. Those are my <laughs> thoughts. So I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on the train that says it's bad, but I, again, this is a, a, a just a, an emotional decision. I don't have put a lot of thought into it or anything. No, I think that's, t- I think that's totally fine. And you bring up some good points because, um, yeah, I think one of the challenges, especially for, for like ma- what I would consider to be like a more progressive museum, if a museum wants to be kind of a more like a progressive activist museum, like how do you do that when the, the whole idea of the museum is wrapped up in this history that you're talking about of like imperialism and colonialism and, you know, the very first ever mu- like museums as we understand them emerge in Europe uh, in the like late 1700s, early 1800s. And they are, you know, full of stuff that they stole from other places. And the idea is like, look at all this cool stuff. And, you know, this is the power of France or this is the power of Britain or whatever. Um, and so, like, is it even possible for a museum to, like, get past that? Should we just get rid of all of them and, like, redistribute the stuff in other ways? Uh, I well, don't know. I mean, anyways, like, the object the object is, like, the original sin of the museum. Like, I don't, me personally, I don't give a shit if I walk into a museum, if I see, like, you know, the real, uh, you know, here at the Smithsonian, they've got, like, Abraham Lincoln's hat. Like, I don't, I don't need to see the real hat. It doesn't make a difference to me if it's a real hat or if it's a reproduction of the real hat, like, you know? Yeah. Um, so like the, the idea that so many museums and so many people who visit museums expect to see like the authentic thing. Um, I have a problem with that sort of attitude to begin with, because I think it leads to all these other problems about like, we have to get the thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, that you bring up a good point. I feel like I would want to see the real shit. I'm I'm, I'm probably in that camp. Yeah. I also we also have to consider that. Um, yeah, I think that sometimes we as humans kind of like to live in la la land, and the reality is, and and I talk about history a lot on this show. We've been doing shit like this since time immemorial. We go over to some other country some other kingdom and we rape and pillage and steal, empty their coffers and bring it back and bring back a bunch of slaves. I mean, we don't do all of those things now, thank God, but actually no, fuck it. We'd probably still do most of those things in other parts of the world. But um, I, you know, I don't know if we can ever get away from that. I think that that's just something that's uniquely human and terrible. and, And I don't know if we've evolved or will ever get past doing terrible things so for us to i don't like i it's i don't know if it's something that i get upset about um necessarily i just think it's just like part of the flawed human condition so to speak um if that makes any sense i I mean i do and i think as long i mean i think that's you know i think that's fair i don't know if I don't know if it's necessarily like human nature to do those things, but certainly like as long as there's scarcity, you know, as long as like there are resources that people need, as long as, um, 
you know, whatever, like, you know, we've just lived through 20 years of adventures in oil, uh, here in the U S like because of scarcity, because of, you know, the, the sort of peak oil and, and that, and, and so I don't know, I, I, I like to imagine I, I'm an, I'm a, I'm a long-term optimist. And so I like to think that someday we could get to a sort of post-scarcity future. I don't know what that looks like. Um, but, um, yeah. The only way that we get to a post-scarcity future, in my opinion, is we need to go to space. It's the only way. There's not enough. We, the way that our society is set up uh, is consumerism, especially in the West, right? That's what right. we do. We consume. We don't really, we produce things. We produce like culture and we produce, uh, yeah, like Americans' biggest export, export is its culture. But like as far as like manufacturing, we lean on other people and then we consume those things. The only way if we go to space and we eventually are able to like call it or technologically advance enough to, to do that and we can start colonizing planets and spread out amongst the galaxy, then there would be probably enough. There would be enough for everyone. And we wouldn't, I mean, maybe on certain planets you might have some, some beef, but you might be able to find a planet that's like, you know, three times the size of earth and you have like, you know, a few million people on there. Like you're going to be fine for a hot second, and then you you continue to develop, to develop, and then maybe you consume that world and go on to the next one. Like the, to me, that's the only way. Um, I mean, if we changed our mindset and we were all able to take a little less, then maybe. But I don't see like I mean, I mean, if we're no, we can't do that. Obviously, like we we can't do that. I'm, I'm not going to bring you. There's a there's a certain elephant in the room that you know, you know kind of proves it we're incapable of doing that. And, um, I mean, that's the only way I see it. Otherwise things will just kind of continue along the same lines, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I like to be optimistic about the future of space as well. Um, but I think even that's going to take a massive, I mean, you know, the way I see it is going to take a massive sort of collective effort if we want to do that. Like, I don't think that, uh, you know, just having, you know, this, our handful of space billionaire daddies is going to be what gets us there. You know, I think that's going to be a much more collective effort to make that sort of thing happen. But, um, I, what, why do you feel like it would need to be a collective effort? There's, there's, you would, you would, you need financing and you need, so you already have the minds, all the people that are really, really smart and believe in this are already working on that. All right. You're getting the funding and now you've got the private sector going in. It just takes all of those brilliant minds and all of that money to create a system. And then you need to be able to repeat that system and you need to take a small step. The first step would be to have like bases on the moon, right? And use that as like a staging point. You'd have, you know, maybe build nuclear reactors, on, on the moon to, to have energy and whatnot. And that way there, you can use that energy and you have the bases and you, you use it as a launching point to, to go to Mars. And then from Mars, you just, I mean, this isn't, if it's, it probably wouldn't happen overnight and it might take a few generations, but I don't know how much collectively it would need to be. And I think that that's probably what's going to end up happening is a lot of people are going to be frozen out. If you start mining and stuff on these planets and then bringing that back, you probably, I mean, if I was going to do it, I would, I would, I would use the taxpayer money, set up a mining corporation 
then get all of those resources and cut the public out. That's what's going to happen. I would, I don't know if I'm saying I would do that. I just, uh, but actually there's something going on like that right now. Sorry to, I'm sorry to bring you down, dude. Man, I'm I'm being a bummer right now, dude. John, I'm sorry. Normally I'm the bummer cast. (laughs) That's my job. Okay. I've been doing some research, but there's, we're probably going to start mining the moon in the next like 50 years. I was going to say at least, I mean, Elon Musk and I don't know about Bezos. Elon Musk exists because of federal tax subsidies. Like all of his companies are not profitable and have been on the edge of solvency for their entire existence. Like Tesla's not profitable because they're Bitcoin holdings. And then because of the, uh, electric car hold or um, sub tax subsidies i'm gonna need you to pull that up john i think you might be talking on your ass there sorry <laughs> no what i was gonna say is i think when i talk about collective effort i feel like all the the biggest kind of technological leaps in the last 100 200 years have all been through like large uh collective efforts whether that's through like public funding or or, or, or other or otherwise but you think of like the internet uh was partly developed by the u.s military and 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 yeah. like through like massive public investment uh the first moon landings um and so i think that yeah like i think that these these space billionaires can can do a lot and they can push the conversation absolutely but i also think uh it it's it's gonna be you know i don't know i think i I, I just think it's going to take more than like Jeff Bezos's singular will to get us uh, think, to get us yeah. there. I think yeah. you're right. Uh, so here you go. 2020 <laughs> Tesla net profit or net income was one point. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, three point three billion dollars, uh, and they made one point six of that was solely from regulatory credits. Their net income only from selling cars was seven hundred and twenty-one million. So if they had, and then the rest of it came from profits from holding and selling Bitcoin. So yeah, they're not a car company. They're a uh, they're just a hedge fund at this but, point. But they made profits seven hundred and twenty-one million dollars. No, their net income selling cars was 721 million their uh <clears throat> tax subsidies were 1.6 billion and then total altogether their net was 3.3 billion but um had they not had bitcoin or tax subsidies they would be uh there's no way they could exist honestly i don't know about that um i mean they're, they're not in the red they're in the black they're profitable whether like wh- wh- whichever way you do that, I mean, they're profitable from taking from taking subsidies and from taking just essentially tax money. They're existing off of corporate welfare. I don't know. I I don't think that. I mean, if we brought on, I don't think that you or I are super business savvy enough to really like get down into the nitty gritty. But I think they're in the black dog, like for sure. I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I just don't, I don't really I don't don't think there's, I really don't think there's like, daddy Musk is a snake oil salesman. Like he should have just, an old cart rolling through I mean, tiny towns in the old West. But he, but be, he hosted SNL though. You see him host yeah, SNL. Right? This is true. To be, so to he's be got that fair, going for him. You have a very <laughs> strange hatred of Elon Musk and I don't like it. I love the guy. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. It's now. 
It's not a hatred. It's not a hatred. It's a healthy skepticism that has evolved into a fully formed opinion based on learning about him. I don't know. I, think, I feel like you need. To, I feel like you need to pop open some business books right now, and um, oh, and, and 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 because I really think he's. Let me just. So if it's net. I'm pretty sure net that is means- net is just total income, no in, no, uh, <laughs> no 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 accounting no, no, it's, for expenses. No, it's it is no net is is net earnings. I believe to find out what his net net earnings is, it's calculated as sales minus the cost of goods sold. Dog, so he's covered his expenses. So he's made seven hundred and twenty-one million dollars selling cars. That's minus Let's all see, expenses. Hold on, hold on. Plus, he's getting. I'm going to look into this some more. I don't think that's right because wow. no, I definitely am right, dude. Yes, fuck you, John. Yes, love <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> oh my god. god, that feels so good, dude. Oh my god, this feels so good. It won't dude. last. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm right. I'm pretty sure I'm right. It had to really, really get in there. Um. Anyways, I'm. We're way off topic. Eric, I'm sorry. Hey, that's okay. John, you guys want to go to space? What do you think space is like? Oh, I think it's a, a vacuum and it's freezing cold <laughs> and it's a very anti-harsh human climate. Like it's not, it's not, we're not built for it, bro. Not at all. I do want to go to space and I, I, I spend, I used to, a lot of time looking at like planets and stuff like Kepler 22b, which is, I believe, in the Andromeda galaxy, Andromeda galaxy. And um, it is, it's like 25 light years away and we'll never get there. And I got really depressed because it's like an Earth-like planet that doesn't rotate. And half of the, the, the planet is shaded and the other pl- uh, half of the planet is, 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 in, is in light. It never rotates and mm. uh, we're never going to be able to get there. But it has water on it. That's what NASA says. Sorry, John, oh, you were, nice. were going to say something. No, I was just going to say something dumb about how space is cold, but you already did that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I I, I don't think think, I don't want to go to space until we got artificial gravity. I was just talking to John about this. I got real, I got wicked motion sick. So until we get artificial gravity figured out, I'm, I'm staying here, but, um, I don't know what everybody else going to space. I don't know who's looking into that. There's got to be some, we'll have to find a scientist that's looking into like artificial gravity and get them on the show. We're just not like super advanced. Uh, But you know, one of the things I do want to say within, you know, two minutes of talking to you, Eric, (laughs) is that you're just a much better human than I am. Like you, dude, (laughs) I, I, I felt, I was like, man, this guy, he wants to give back. He wants, he was helping you know, underprivileged kids. He was tutoring them. He's he's interested in like saving people and you know putting them on the right path. And he's studying museums and like you care. And I like that. And then I'm over here when I was your age. Like <laughs> how the fuck do I get rich? I was trying to get into like pyramid schemes and like that's pretty much all I cared about. And I you know I feel like I missed those nurturing years. And you're this. just trying to trying to ride daddy must. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> trying to ride his rocket to space. You will accept Elon Musk as a, 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 an extremely intelligent businessman, an entrepreneur, and an engineer, sir. Sorry. Enough. Okay, gonna I'm going to jump in. I'm jumping in again. Sorry. How much money did he get? Like, his, so, okay, so his family's fortune, right, comes from having land given to them from like native people in South Africa that just happened to have an emerald mind on it. Right. And then, I mean, Jesus Christ, 
you give like what did his family gave him like five hundred thousand dollars, not including his trust fund, to start PayPal. You gave me five hundred grand, I'd be a billionaire. Like anybody with half a brain could do that. Well, you know what? I'm not gonna also, comment. He never founded. He never founded Tesla. He bought it from two, the two engineers who actually created it, and then voted <laughs> them off the board and removed yep. them from the masthead. All right. And then also, he was the money dude that started a banking company. Okay. First off, this is <laughs> this is I'm gonna I'm gonna close this right now, John. You're gonna have to mute your mic. We have a guest. This Get is out of Fireside Chow, and we will discuss this on a Fireside Chat, sir. You're wrong. <laughs> the special. Uh, you're Elon not Musk all wrong. Edition. I will say this is the last we're talking about. It. I will say this. You you bring up some valid points. I already know that, and. This conversation is paused until a fireside chat. Eric, my apologies, sir. John is hey, out of control. I, I love He's it. I'm looking control. forward to. I'm looking forward to your fully researched debate about this. Um, oh, I won't research a goddamn it's thing, be great. dude. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but but I'm an optimist. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about people. Uh, even though I also am an introvert, so most of the time I don't want to talk to any of the people that I'm optimistic about. But um, you know, I don't know. I feel positively about most humans. I I'm I'm very much an optimist too. I I I always I see I see the good in the world and I see the good in people. Now I do have certain predilections toward like veering towards the negative and maybe sometimes I might get caught up in a conspiracy theory or three. But for <laughs> for the for the most part, for the most part, I would say like I think that humanity will eventually pull its stuff together. I think that the biggest like threat to the world is, is greed. I think it, and, and, and a, and a bit of a lack of discipline and self-belief. I don't know why, um, a lot of people don't believe in themselves. And I, and, and I also think fear, there's a lot of things, but those are, like, I think people are, are, are really afraid as well. And, um, and they don't believe in themselves. And and even worse, they don't love themselves. And so those are, those are some of the problems that like I see in the world. And and also a lack of community. I feel like sometimes like I, I you know, I'm a not a huge redditor, I'm more of a lurker, but I'll be on there and I'll see like a um like a, some some subreddit about like how shitty America is or something, and like kind of kind of bothers me a little bit because like like we're we're a community, like a, we're a community of three hundred million people, and we have our flaws, but like at the end of the day, like you know we're a community, and I wish we all got along more and along better, and like I wish we could talk to each other and and not be so angry and, and fearful of one another. And like, sometimes like those are the things that I wish we could, I don't know. I don't know if we were ever in like a golden era. Like we, we have a bunch of demons and problems, but like, I feel like I wish we could just like put certain things in the, in the past. Like, I wish we could just like, like tomorrow, everyone just say, all right, we we're done. We've, we've done some bad things. We've, we've treated, we've treated my people wrong and we've treated <laughs> your people wrong and your people wrong, but we're all Americans and mm-hmm. we're just, we're, this, we're, this, this door is shut and we move forward and we've got to figure out how to get into outer space and we got to figure out how to you know, clean up um, these, 
these different neighborhoods that have just had giant problems with drugs and, and gang violence. Like we're going to invest in those communities and we're going to, we're going to move forward and we're going to figure our shit out, you know, like that. I wish it, that could happen, you know? And I think that maybe it will someday. It's more fun to think about things if, you know, somehow we could do that. Um, I don't know how that happens, but I am all for that happening. And I think that everyone would be. Yeah, I think so too. And I wanted to pick up on a couple of things you said. I think one of the reasons like you're talking about, like people don't a sort of lack of confidence or like a lack of, you know, you were, I think you said like, you know, people don't, we don't, we don't love ourselves. I think part of that problem is we, you know, we have this whole like media industry that tells us not to, which I think is a problem. Um, yeah. certainly where like, you know, you're not good enough at this. You don't, you don't, uh, look good enough to do that. Um, that sort of thing. So I see that as kind of an issue. And then I, and then I definitely agree. I don't think that, I don't think that people need to be, or, or, you know, I, I would like to live in a world where people aren't afraid of each other. And I find that it like having conversations with other people, you know, when you, when you start to see other people as like human beings, um, it, it makes that a lot better. Whereas when you're seeing someone through Twitter or whatever, um, you know, I don't, I don't have Twitter. I used to have Twitter, but I used to just get mad every time I locked on and I got rid of Twitter because I was just getting mad all the time. Um, and that wasn't good for me, but like interacting with people in real life, you know, it's, it's, I think it's easier for you to get along that way. Although I don't necessarily want to live in a world where there is like a just sort of mass consensus and everybody gets along because I think that disagreement is important, right? I think that disagreement yes. is part of I think to me, that's like the core of what, what a sort of democracy is about is that kind of disagreement. Um, uh, and so I don't necessarily want to be in a world where everybody like gets along and we all agree with each other, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think, I, I think we're mostly, you and I are mostly on the same page, at least as far as like, that's something I think that people want. That's something that I want, certainly. Yeah, we're definitely on the same page in a lot of I also I'm glad that you pointed that out. That is something that I celebrate as well is discourse, disagreeing respectfully. And we don't see that, right? And and you know, or you have your views, I have mine, and that's the end of it. Because you're not ever gonna convince the Pope that Jesus isn't the Son of God. You know, you're not gonna convince a crazy person, um, and not that the Pope's a crazy person. Shout out to the Pope. I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> uh, uh, um, but yes, I agree. I think uh, I don't want to. I like to disagree with with people from time to time because it it opens my perspective um, and right. some challenges what my way of thinking. John, yes going to say speaking of disagreement john's got i was going to say in the spirit of bringing (laughs) the community together we were both right about elon musk or at least about tesla tesla did turn a profit in 2020 however that net profit of 721 million is because of 1.58 billion dollars of revenue selling regulatory credits not from cars so they both were profitable but 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 if they hadn't have been they would have had an enormous loss so okay well i just have to say this in business you make money whichever way you can man listen when i was running cocaine from mexico to the united states you know (laughs) when the shipment got busted 
Maybe I was running. I'm, I'm just kidding, folks. Like that is, I never ran cocaine. Hey, I've never. You know, broken I know you're not laws. profitable for a long time, but I don't know. If you're a car company, maybe you should make your money selling cars. Number one, John, fuck off. I don't know. That's all I have to say. You're <laughs> muted again. Yeah, fucking off. He's, bye bye. He's he's muted. He's muted. Um, Eric, I, dude, I am so sorry about this. Listen, you're a friend of John's, and that's why he's being just just super snarky today because he knows he can get away with it. It's gonna and, say it's substitute yeah. teacher. John is showing off. Because yeah, that's so snarky ex- on the podcast because we go back a long ways. I need a mute button on this. Is what I know. <laughs> That's too much power. I can't. I, can't, I would be. So, I couldn't do that. Um, but anyways, we're we're way off topic again. But um, yes, man. I uh, I I'm glad that you're there. We need we need more people like you. We need more. We need more people like you. I, I like you. You're you're a good dude. Um, I the, but that. We're, I got it. We got to get back into the professorship and the cultural <laughs> studies. And you're studying museums. That's where Love it. we were before we got way off topic. So you live in DC, That's and um, I'm 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 curious. Like, what kind of how are you collecting data? for your thesis? Uh, I mean, I'm doing a couple of things. So I, I visit a lot of museums. Um, that's like thing number one is I go to a lot of these things. That's super, um, man, that's so sad. I would hate that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I do that a lot. Um, I also talk to a lot of people who work at these museums who like put on the exhibitions. Uh, I've done some, I've done interviews with those folks um, talking about like, you know, what some of their ideas were behind it, what the design process was like, um, that sort of thing. I do a lot of archival stuff. So I'm looking at, you know, some of these, uh, museums, like what are people saying about them in newspapers and magazines and things like that reviews. Um, so I would say that those are kind of the big sort of three things that I'm looking at is I'm talking to the people who work on them. I'm going to visit them as a visitor and seeing like, you know, what's my experience in these things? How do I interpret uh, what's happening? And, and then looking at some of the, some of the other documentation that like other folks have done about this kind of stuff or these kinds of places. Are, are there a lot of studies uh, about this about, I mean, can we, can we call it the, can we just say the the radicalization of museums? It, that that feels sexy, and I want to say that. Is that is that is have there been a lot of studies on this? Uh, I like it. Um, I would say that there has been a lot of people who have written about the way this happens in art museums. Um, there's been a lot of press around that, especially because there's been some high profile controversies around art museums in the last few years. Um, <coughs> I'm more interested in. Um, in like history museums specifically. And so there aren't a, that, a ton of people who do the kind of work that I do. Um, but there are people who kind of have done things related to it, but like my specific interest, I think it's me and, you know, you can probably count on one hand, the other number of people who are like interested in this kind of stuff too. John, John. Uh- I, uh, so you were saying art museums, uh, that actually just happened today. Um, the day that we're recording this, the Sackler family who started Purdue mm. Pharma, the Met in New York has decided to remove the Sackler family's name from any wings that were donated by them because of their connection to the opioid crisis. <coughs> yeah. Uh, I saw that story as well. 
Wait, um, quick, qu- quick question though. Um, if mm-hmm. I'm the uh, Sackler family and they remove my name from the wing I donated, can I tear the wing down? No. That seems only fair though. And I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not, listen, <laughs> I'm just saying, wing. I'm no, I'm just saying this. Um, you fucking took my money and let me do this. And now that shit is gone sideways and you found out it was drug money that I was, I was telling doctors to push these, you know, essentially heroin and I got in trouble. You still, research you still fucking took the money. Like, shame on mm-hmm. you, too. Like, you can claim you didn't know, but you, you could have looked into someone when they had their hand out. And honestly, the reason he donated, they donated it um, was because it's going to be an awesome tax break. But seriously, like, just because you, th- like, you're like, oh, this is, doesn't look good. Like, I'm going to take it. Fuck you, man. You still took the fucking yeah, money. They, they took, their, took their names off of seven, seven wings or seven, seven exhibit halls that were all donated from them or their foundations, um, including the wing that housed the Temple of Dender. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't um, know what I would do. that's I in the byline think... on the New York Times. So I, I mean, know. but oh, this, is Roman, the, this is the temple. controversy, right? Like, this is the whole thing is that, like, I mean, like, Rick, you're right. Like, this is something that people have also been talking about is, like, actually also maybe fuck the Met, too, because, like, they're taking this money. And not yeah. only is it, like, it's a tax break for the Sackler family, but it also is, like, major press for them right like they can be like look at all this money we've donated to the Mm -hmm. arts blah 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 blah, whatever um yeah so like uh, there are lots of people like there are activists and protesters in new york city who are talking about like actually maybe fuck the met too and you can't like this is not you know like good for you i guess for taking the name off but also like fuck you for taking the money in the first place because yeah they they knew of course they know I mean, uh, even so the, if so, the temp, the Temple of Dender is an act that, ironically, is a Roman, actual Roman temple that is oh. was built in uh, Egypt. So it's oh. now in New York. So kind of goes along with what you were saying, Eric. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's why that's. But this is there's a lot to unpack here, um, because listen, I don't know a lot about. I all I know about what, what was the name of the family again? It's already escaping me the sackler family the sackler family like yes they're purdue pharma evil you know getting people addicted to uh prescription grade oxy or oxycotton what i think that's that's the correct family right okay um you know you got to make they're making their living they're making their money i can't say that if i was in their position that i would have done anything different Um, i'm a deeply flawed person and and like i love money so but I just, what I don't like is that, yeah, the museum gets off, like, scot-free. It's like, we got everything that we wanted. So if I ever get rich and I decide to donate to get an awesome tax break, it's going to be in the fucking clause. If you take this money and, and I get canceled or something bad happens to me, my name has to stay on there. Or else you don't get it, no matter what. Or I get to sue you. I think it only seems fair. What are I mean, thoughts? we're talking about like an the, an evil institution in the Met and an evil family in the Sacklers. So, like, you know, I honestly fuck them both. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> why? Why is the Met evil in your opinion? I, I we are way over my skis. I have no clue. I'm very <laughs> ignorant to this. 
No, I mean, I think for like everything you've already talked about is like, is they, they didn't, they didn't seemingly have a problem taking Sackler yeah. family money for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. As John already pointed out, they have apparently this temple from Egypt, which who knows like what the provenance yeah. is on that. Like if, with if how that was acquired. Um, yeah. And then they, they, you know, they, they're always popping up with, uh, they, they, every once in a while they have these, you know, they'll do these big exhibitions and they, they sort of court controversy because for the press, I think in a lot of ways, like it, mm-hmm. they do, they'll do controversial things because it gets them in the press and it gets people in the door. Um, and you know, and like you said before, talking about art museums, they've got all this stuff in there. It's not free to go into the Met. You got to pay to go into the Met. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're sort of hoarding all this stuff and keeping it away from other people. And yeah, I don't know. It gets into this, the idea of just the art museum. And like I said before, how do you get, how do you make a museum that's good, but is also when the whole idea of a museum is tied up in all of this stuff, but it looks like John has something to say. Yes. Uh, Temple of Dender 1963 was given to, uh, I don't know how, how given it was, uh, but moved from Egypt to New York to the Met as a way uh, was Jackie Kennedy was somehow involved in it, but it was involved. The idea was to save it because it, it was a considered a UNESCO heritage project. Um, cause it was built in 15 BC by the, uh, Roman governor of Egypt, uh, Petronus, Petronus Augustus. So mm. there you go. Sounds like a chill. Thank dude. you, John. Thank you. Yeah. I, is, is this, this is, I'm assuming this is like the Met Gala with the, the whole AOC thing went down as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the same one. Same All right. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I fucking hate him cause I didn't get a ticket dog. Like I wrote, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no yeah museums who would have thought that they were so tricky you know if you really <laughs> think about it I, I i love them though it's i don't feel guilty for loving them i think that they're it's a it's a good place to go and, and be inspired and be in awe especially yeah. the historical ones yeah i mean i and and i admit that i love them too and i don't feel guilty about it and i think part of it to me is that these are still public spaces there's some of the last like kind of big public spaces where you can go and you might run into people who are very different from you mm-hmm. um interact with them people from different parts of the world from different parts of the country from different classes all of that kind of thing and i think you know for all their problems they still have the ability to inspire to motivate you to do something you know to to be like me i want to make the world a better place right so like museums are part of that Mm -hmm. um part of that inspiration i think you bring up an interesting thing when you said um they allow people to interact from people from all walks of life i honestly think that that's a bit of our problem now as a country like you have A lot of highly educated people um, make a lot of money that are in these cities, right? And they don't really leave those cities because they, you know, they they might go to the suburbs and commute in, vice versa. And you have a lot of you know, there's some educated people out in the rural area, rural areas have friends that are super country, and sure. um, but they are not going into the cities. They're like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go into. Portland or San Francisco or whatever, like it's crazy down there's homes, terrified. So they they you know, we stay we stay away and we self-isolate 
And we don't get the only viewpoints that we get are from people that think like us. And the only decisions that we see relevant are the ones that per- pertain to us. And if you look at like the map of our country, right? All of the rural, like kind of flyover states are all red. And they are some very serious issues like land use issues and, you know, um, whether we should have, like, we should open up. I mean, I, I'm thinking about it from like a hunting perspective because that's an activity that I engage in. But, but like, should we, can we, like, this is, this species is like in Montana just uh, filed a federal request to have the grizzly bear removed from the federal endangered species list because the game is, and Google me on that because I could be full of shit. But, um, <clears throat> anyway, so that's a huge u- issue. And like, if you have someone like, that doesn't live there, it would be like, that's a travesty, but they might not know the facts. And so I look at like, I think that we have, I don't really think we have a, I think we have, I don't think that the like race is super terrible. I don't think like it's the worst thing in the world. I think we've gotten a lot better than we are in my opinion uh, from where we used to be. And, but I think that the biggest divide that we see now is rural versus urban Right, especially when it comes to politics, and and I don't know how you would get these two um, groups to ever interact um, together. I don't know how we solve that, John. Uh, yeah, so you are right. Two days ago, um, yes. you like hearing that, don't you? Uh, two <laughs> days ago, uh, the governor of Montana filed a lawsuit, or yes, filed a lawsuit. <clears throat> with the federal government to have grizzlies removed from the endangered species list because they say that grizzly populations have risen significantly and there have been an, a, a very large increase uh, in attacks on livestock and humans, too. You heard it here first on Rick's Mind, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was going to say that I think... Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I grew up in in a, in a quote unquote flyover state. Um, you know, John and I met in Indiana; it's where I'm from and lived for a long time. Um, but now I live in in DC, and DC is kind of a unique place because people from all over the country come here, and they come here to visit our museums, and they come here to see the monuments and the memorials and all of that. Um, and so maybe maybe a place like DC is different from a museum in New York or Portland or whatever because we have a lot of people who are coming from all over the country and all over the world to come and see these things and to come and visit. And so I think that this is a place, um, you know, you walk into the national museum of American history. It's right next to the Washington monument. It's not that far from the white house. You can see the Capitol from there. Uh, you could go in there and you can see people with MAGA hats and you can see people who don't speak English and you can see people who are like leftists going through there and like all of that. And so like DC is really maybe kind of a unique situation in that way but <clears throat> uh the people who come here are, are often concentrated in that sort of like downtown national mall celebrate america place and they don't necessarily go to other parts of the city so like where i live for example um but yeah i mean i think that's a fair assessment this that that sort of urban rural divide um yeah but and but i think yeah, I, I don't know what I think. I don't know what I think. I think you're right about that. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's complicated because I think 
I think you're right on the one hand that like, yeah, there are lots of times where things will, uh, something will make a headline will come up and it'll be like something in this part of the country, people want to do this. And people in other parts of the country might be like, that's horrible, but I don't understand what it's like on the ground in that place. Um, but at the same time, I also, you know, but sometimes the people who live in those places need an outsider perspective on their, that problem to get it. So I don't know if it's necessarily always going to be like the, you know, I don't know, take this grizzly bear problem, for example. Um, you know, people in Montana, it sounds like have some legitimate grievances against the grizzly bear. Uh, mm-hmm. it seems, sounds reasonable in that sense, but like, let's say hypothetically that, <clears throat> Uh, Montana is like one of the only places where the grizzly bears continue to exist in the wild. And so like, in that sense, like, yeah, the people there like are having all these problems with it, but like, maybe this is, uh, if you zoom out, it's like a much more complicated issue. So I think that I agree. I think there's a, that, that urban rural divide is pretty significant and it's not going away anytime soon. Um, but I also think it's complicated, right? I think it's not necessarily a us versus them kind of a thing, that there's a kind of something to be gained, I think, from from sharing those different perspectives, kind of to circle back to what we were talking about before. I think there's there's two there's two problems with that example, because that that's definitely not the case. Like they're in uh the British Columbia. Oh, I'm sure it's not the case. Why? I'm just it, making yeah, it definitely. up. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um but I'm trying to think of when it comes to <clears throat> getting a okay, here's one case where I think that it's bad to get an outside perspective, but not I'm not gonna say bad. I like okay, when it comes to like policing tactics, I do not think that someone that is a keyboard board warrior or somebody that has never had a gun pointed in their face or like has any experience with a firearm, I do not think that you should, I think your voice should not be super loud because you don't know, you'd have no idea like what's going on. I think if you're in the military um, or, you know, you have some sort of combat, like, you, you know, you, you, you've trained to kill people, then like you might be one that should be in this conversation but like if it like if you're trying to set policies or like you can't use chokeholds or anything like like well why not like like you know what I'm saying like I just feel like that there's sometimes when you know we get hyper emotional about things and we don't we're not necessarily thinking I think that that would be a case where it's like well maybe like maybe you should shut the fuck up because you don't know what's going on here. There's much more to the story. It's much more complicated to that. So maybe like in certain instances like that, I feel like, you know, there's certain people that should raise their hand that might understand that. Cause I've never had a gun pointed at me and I've never ha- been in a situation where I've like pointed a gun at someone and like, you know, so I don't want to set policies for those people. There's gotta be a panel of people that have like had to do that so we could get the best training and figure out the best tactics. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so, like, I guess to kind of further illustrate that, like, so here in D.C., um, you know, there have been calls for police reform in Washington, D.C., um, but but there are also parts of the city where people want more police. They want more cops on the street. They want more Mm -hmm. law enforcement there because of, you know, for a variety of different reasons. Um, and so 
you know, I, I don't live in those communities where those people want that, um, where they Is, are, are like, those, we are those predominantly the, the black communities? Uh, uh, some of them. Yes. Yeah. Now, I mean, DC is a majority minority mm-hmm. city, but, um, mm-hmm. so it's not, not all of the, the like black neighborhoods in DC, but there are definitely black neighborhoods in DC, but they want more police on the streets for sure. Yeah. Um, and I don't live I mean, in those neighborhoods. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, like part of my issue with a little bit of like the, the, the BLM movement was like that, that rhetoric was terrible. And I don't think that that's representative of like a lot of the black community. Like, cause there's, there's still a lot of like, there's still a lot of inner cities that like, they're like, no, we, we probably should have more cops, like maybe better training, but let's, let let's not get rid of them. And we're, we're like, we're, where I'm from in Portland, we're beginning to experience like, oh fuck, this was not a good idea. You know, like it has some, a lot of people in the police force resigned, you know, their, their morale's at an all time low. And there was just like some cops just had to murk some dude that was, uh, John pulled that up, uh, driving down I five and was carjacking people. And I, I saw a video on, uh, by the way, here's a good Instagram follow. Um, Oregon looks like shit. I think, uh, the, the, I saw, I, I saw the whole video. It was on for like, I don't know, 15 minutes. Like it was crazy. This, I mean, I watched, it was, I, I don't know why I'm broadcasting this, but I, anyways, I watched the cops in action, take this psycho out. And then the papers were like, we're looking into like, why, why, why weren't the cops there fast enough? Like, this is crazy. And it's like, cause we, we just fucking told all of them to go to hell there. We've lost a lot of our force. And like, these are the ramifications of, or like when we're not thinking about what's going on, like, Good people get hurt. All right. Sorry, John. Go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, so that, no, that <laughs> shooting, it was in Portland. The guy, uh, the, see, the cops called, were called by the owner of a coffee shop in on West Burnside. Um, the man walked up to the side door, pointed a gun at him, demanded his keys. Uh, so he said, he pointed the gun like, I'm not fucking with you. Give me the keys. Oh, uh, he stole a car and then went on a rampage down I-5. Uh, yeah. But the uh, the guy was shot by the cops. Uh, I think he they. I don't think he was dead on sight, but I think he died later. Yeah. So, there yeah, there's a lot of crazies. But I, I mean, we're getting a little too political. We <laughs> we have we're making a conscious effort not to be a political podcast. We're going to be talking about <laughs> aliens and Bigfoot and uh, also ghosts, demons. Uh, are there unicorns? Maybe. I don't know. We're going to be talking about a lot of fun <laughs> stuff. We're going to try and stay away from um, politics because they suck, dude. But I will talk politics with you, Eric. I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, I think I, I I agree. I think that that this is a situation. Well, I mean, first, I want to say that, like, uh, generally, I don't like the cops. Um, all I cops hate them too, dog. Um, I love them, but like, I know I, I, we need them, but I, but fuck them. I get it, but we need them. Yeah. I yeah. And, and, so, and I also think that like, you know, like who am I as an outsider to tell different neighborhoods within my city, like what they need to do, you know, how they, how they ought to conduct themselves. Um, that said, I also think that there are alternative solutions to this than more police. You know, we, you talked earlier about like investing in in, in those communities or, or mm-hmm. improving the, a social safety net to a point where people aren't committing sort of crimes of desperation. 
Um, there are, you know, there are always going to be, there are always going to be people out there who are, um, uh, you know, who are going to be bad, I, yeah. bad. That's a great way to put yeah. it. Who are going to yeah. be bad. Um, but I think that you can cut down on a lot of that with alternative methods, Dude. but, but anyway, we're not talking politics, so yeah. that's fine. I, well, and I, in closing, <laughs> I agree with you. We've done nothing to invest, invest in these communities. We've done absolutely nothing. Cause you know why? Cause we don't care. We don't give a shit. It's away from the news in the, um, in the eighties and nineties, a lot of the democratic parties, um, funding came from wealthy land developers and what they, what they essentially tried to do was to crack down and lo- incarcerate all of the problems and over police it. And then you took, you take away, um, these young black men and you put them in jail and, um, you t- take them away from their family, uproot them, whatever. Maybe they're selling drugs. It doesn't matter, right? You give them uh, ungodly sentences with the hopes that you would be able to gentrify and develop these neighborhoods for a profit. And that's what happened. And, um, you know, we get to a point now, and that's probably not all that happened. That's just what I've kind of researched. Eric, maybe back me up on this. I don't know, John. <laughs> um, I could be full of shit, folks. So take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. But, but um, you know... It, and and then you have other in New York passing the stop and frisk laws. Maybe that'll stop it. You know, violating people's rights. Uh, but we've never invested. We've never. We've never. We've never said like, hey, how like how can we intelligently figure out how to save some of these kids? How to how to uh, entice them to to do better and, or, or, you know, fund projects or make the schools better, or, you know, move things around. Like we've never done that. I don't think. And I also could be lying there, but <clears throat> to my knowledge, we haven't, I hope that we have, but, but to my knowledge, we haven't done anything. And so it is what it is. It's depressing and we're done with politics and that's why we're done. Yeah, so what do you I've, think of the deal with, what do you think the deal is with Bigfoot? <clears throat> Bro. You guys ever All see right. him out there in the PNW? No, I have not. But I will say this. I, I am 100% a believer. And let me tell you why. Life is more fun believing that there is a eight-foot bipedal forest gorilla that lives that lives in the Pacific North. It's, like, it's more fun. And I'm going to continue to believe it till I die. I mean, in my heart of hearts, do I think that He's real? I don't know. Probably not. But I believe it. It's like Santa Claus, son. It's more fun if he's real, too. No, I don't believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> How about you, man? Uh, yeah, 100%. I absolutely do. Um, big fan of all that cryptid stuff. Uh, ghosts, aliens. I'm here for all. Dude, what about the Loch Ness Monster? Yeah, I see. I don't know. John, see John shaking his head. I don't know. Yeah. Man, I don't I'm know. Not, I not, think I'm not, I'm not with that. It's too. It's I too. Think it's some, I think it's some logs and like a maybe a big eel or something. But yeah, <laughs> I, I 100% know. believed in the Loch Ness monster when I was like in seventh grade. I was balls deep. I was like, dude, it's gotta be real. <laughs> but now I'm like, yeah, it's kind of stupid. Back then, there was a lot of shit that I used to. I used to be pretty wild, but um, definitely big on these. But actually, dude, I want to be respectful of your time. And, um, uh, tell, tell people where they can find you. If, if, have you written any books? You know, let's, let's, it's time for, it's time for the shameless plug. It's that time. 
I don't really have a ton. I mean, people can Google me, I guess. Um, I don't have social media. Like I said, I'm not on Twitter. Um, although, should I be? Should I get on Instagram? I'm not on Instagram. Get on the should gram, dude. Get on the gram. Get on the What's gram. The, what Make are the benefits of me being on the gram? Well, I mean, there's there's multiple benefits. Like, you can really follow some badass people that you can give Love you some. It. It's also, well, let me tell you the pros that, and um, then I'm going to tell you the cons. Okay. Pros. There's a lot of very creative, awesome people. Um, cons. There's a lot of thirst traps and girls <laughs> that are trying to sell their OnlyFans. That's a, that's a dark gotcha, road. Okay. Don't go down it. Okay, great. Use Instagram for inspiration. Um, another con, you okay. also can just continue to stay connected to people and lurk on them and see what's going on in their lives and never actually uh, go out of your way to talk to them. So that's a con in my opinion, because I feel like maybe you pick up the phone, but you just kind of keep following people. Or you know, or if you're vindictive, you could look at like who you used to date and if they've gotten fat and celebrate if they have and you know maybe get sad and do something if they haven't. I don't know. But that's so those are some of the pros and cons. Um, then there's a, a whole multitude, but I would say, give it a whirl, man, or maybe, or just say, <laughs> fuck it and get on Reddit like a real person. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, All not right. on any of those things currently, but maybe I will be okay. by the time people are listening to this, but, um, yeah, I don't know. You can, people can Google me. I'm on the internet, I guess. <laughs> I don't have a yeah, lot dude, to I actually, dude, I actually, I actually Googled you. Um, I think it was DC mug shots. Like that was, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I'll well, plug, I, I mean, was just, I was just home at my parents for Thanksgiving and I found my, my Game Boy Color. It's right here and it still works. So if people, you think you've got one laying around somewhere, I bet it probably still works. So that's my plug for you. Let's find your Game there Boy you Colors, go. people. Spread, spreading bits of knowledge. Well, folks, that's all we got for you today thanks for listening uh if you're listening to us on apple give us five a five star review if you think we're worthy if you think we're deserving of that uh we would appreciate it, it helps the show grow uh go ahead and subscribe sm- slap that subscribe button at <clears throat> rick's mind r-i-k-s that's uh rick's mind r-i-k-s type that into youtube hit subscribe you're gonna love it Uh, helps us grow we need to really work on that we're late to the youtube game so come on come on aboard thanks for listening love you guys see see motherfuckers next week peace